Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. They just pour into us, how they specifically pour into my family, me and my wife and my children, and they just be an example of what it means to serve the Lord even through challenging times. Right, so we're all praying for Pastor John. I know you're watching out there, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. I'm looking right at you, right? But we appreciate you. We appreciate what you do for God's body. We appreciate how you just pour in despite what you're going through. And it doesn't go without notice. God sees that you are a servant of all. And we just, we just honor you today. Um, I like to also honor this lovely lady sitting here in the front row. Um, she's my love, she's my friend, she's my road dog, <laughs> she's my ace one from day one, my baby mama, <laughs> my help me. she's everything to me. And ever since I first met her, she's always made me smile, she always had a smile on her face, and she's helped me become the man that I am today. Without her... She's the one that helps complete the missing parts that I don't have. And it's only by her that I'm able to stand up here today and, and talk to you guys. Because uh, there was a, a period of, and a point in my life where I wasn't being the leader, priest, prophet of my home. I shied away from being a spiritual leader because obviously I just didn't want to do it, right? <laughs> but it was her encouraging me. It was her praying for me. And it was also her just honoring me. She didn't ever get upset or frustrated. She just honored me, and she, she, she stayed true to what God had called her to do, and that's to be a, a help to me. So I just want to thank you and honor you. The Bible says a man that finds a wife finds a good thing, and she's my good thing. T-H-A-N-G, thang, right? So thank you. Uh, that's a side note, just a quick side note for all the ladies. If you guys have a husband out there and you're like, you frustrated because he's not leading, he's not taking charge, just pray for him. Um, pray for him, be by his side, honor him, because it's not through your will, it's through God's will. He's the one who transforms us. Amen? So, fellas, I just threw you an alley-hoop, so if you don't take that and dunk it, I don't know what to do for you, all right? Well, it's National Police Week. I am so excited to honor our local law enforcement here in the city of Sassoon, California. Um, not only our, our local law enforcement here in Sassoon, California, but the officers that go to church here. You know, I'm glad to honor you guys as well. Um, your work doesn't go without notice. We see you. Matter of fact, if you are in law enforcement, um, whether you're retired, whether you uh, took a break, <laughs> or whether you, you just started, whatever you are in law enforcement, and you're here, can you just please stand up? We also got our Sassoon finest in the back. Um, just, you know, continue to give them uh, honor. When you see them after church, give them a hug, appreciate it, love on them. It's because... 
I, to be honest with you, we don't always get to see what officers do good in the media, right? We, all, we always get to see the bad, but there's so much good that's happening out there. And these individuals that we see here, like the Sassoon Police Department, they didn't have to take out their time to come here. So we need to honor them, appreciate that they decided that they wanted to come and worship with us today. Yeah. Right? So thank you guys. I love you, my brothers and sisters in blue. All right? Well, I know you see this uniform on, and you, 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 it's obvious I'm, I'm an officer. <laughs> right? But let me tell you a little bit about my journey on how I even decided that I wanted to become a police officer. Well, it, it all started before me and Rachel got married, you know, when we was courting, you know, when I was throwing all that game on her. <laughs> we decided to go out with some of our mutual friends who uh, was in the process of uh, getting ready to go to the I think CHP Academy. And he was telling me all about his stories about like, yeah, I went on a ride along, we did this, we did that. I started getting excited, right? So um, I decided to do a ride along. And psh, once you do a ride along, you get hooked. I don't care who you are. You do a ride along, you get hooked immediately. Um, but not only was I hooked, uh, my older brother, who passed away about 20 years ago, his dream was to be a law enforcement officer, but he never got the opportunity to pursue that, that passion. So um, since we had a close relationship, I thought to take on that mantle as well and do something in his honor to become a law enforcement officer to be able to give people an above average police experience when they meet me. Right? So as I, you know, started to start my journey on to be trying to become a police officer. I, I went, I, I forget, it was year 2004, three, something like that. I decided to take the test. And at this time, being an officer was a big deal. So trying to get sponsored to somebody to pick you up, good luck, right? So I tried to take the test, the battery test, and um, a couple other different tests to try to get into law enforcement. And the first test I took, I was confident when I went in, but I failed. I was kind of devastated. I was kind of like a little hit to my pride, right? So um, I talked to Rachel about it, you know. We, we cried a little bit. said, oh, you know, I just want to take care of you. I just want to, you know, be able to make an honest woman out of you. Um, but for real, is a, I, I, I had a desire to be the type of man that provides for his family. So um, not only my dreams of being a law enforcement officer, but just it's, a, it's an honorable career, which, you know, pays okay for me to take care of her and now our two kids. So that was something that I decided that I wanted to go into. So after trying again, I passed the test, put myself through the academy while I worked full time. I graduated from the academy. And at this time, I was about 26 years old. Um, and right now, at the end of this month, by the way, shout out, I'll be 42. So this was a long time ago, right? So I graduated academy, started my career, and I get about three or four years into the job. You know, I think I know everything. I think, you know, I know how to do the job inside and out. Well, um, at the age of 30, right before I turned 31, um, I started to get very, very tired at work. I started to... Uh, not be able to get through my work days. 
And I was like, dang, man, what's, what's wrong with me? Well, I mean, why, I, mean I, I, I know I've only been in the, in the job three years, but energy-wise, I couldn't get through the day of my, my work. And then when I go home, I'm tired as well. So I ended up going to the doctor, and they ran some tests on me. And they came back and says, oh, Mr. Hankins, I'm sorry to tell you that uh, a test came back that you are a diabetic. And that's the reason why you've been exhausted all this time is because your, your body's having to work harder than it, it needs to, to try to produce insulin. So they, they, they diagnosed me as a type 2 diabetic. And Rachel will tell you, she was in the doctor's office at that time we were married. And if you know anything about me is I hate shots, Right. So any of diabetic, that's the first thing you got to do is take a shot. And I was like, well, Jesus, take me home now because <laughs> I can't shoot myself in the stomach. You know, you ask me to run into a burning building or you run into uh, somebody shooting gunfire and I'll run in there with no hesitation. But there's two things in life that I always hated. That was needles, mice and rats. <laughs> Don't ask me to go anywhere where there's right, uh, mice or rats because I'm not going. So... Uh, I, you know, they gave me some medication, but the medication wasn't working, and I was, I was still frustrated. I was still at work. I was still tired. I was still dragging, and anybody, anybody that works in law enforcement will let you know that you can't do the job dragging, right? You have to be alert, head on the swivel, ready to go, and being, a, being adaptable to change at any moment, and I w that was not me. So I went back to the doctor and said, hey, doctor, man, hey, this, this ain't working. This medication ain't working. You got you to gotta do something else. But this time when I went back, it was a different doctor. It was not my original doctor. And she, she, she said to me, she says, well, Mr. Hankins, how's your diet? I says, well, I like sweets, but, you know, I, I eat all right. Um, she says, well, how's your exercise? Well, I mean, I try to stay fit because that's a part of the job. She says, well, you're kind of slim. You're kind of skinny. You don't fit the normal profile of a type 2 diabetic. Type 2 diabetic, can we do some tests on you? I said, well, sure, anything to help me feel better, do what you got to do, as long as there's no more needles, <laughs> right? So they ran some more tests on me. And when they ran those tests, it came back that I was not a type 2 diabetic. I was actually a type 1 diabetic, and I developed it at the age of 30, which is an autoimmune disease, which you guys might know is kid diabetes, juvenile diabetes. So I'm thinking to myself, how in the heck did I get kid diabetes at 30, <laughs> right? Well, they say sometimes it onsets later in individuals' lives, so it's a hereditary um, disorder that sometimes is a trait in your family. So I'm asking everybody in my family, hey, you got diabetes? What's going on? Trying to figure out where this came from. But nevertheless, um, as an officer, it's very important that, um, we, like I said, we're alert. So... I wanted to make sure when I was on duty that my blood sugars was at an appropriate rate, meaning not too high, not too low. So my doctor, my endocrinologist, decided that, hey, let's put you on a continuous glucose monitor, which is something that tells me what my blood sugar is nonstop. So I can look at my watch right now and be like, okay, I'm in a good range. Or I can look at my phone um, and tell if I'm in a good range or not with my diabetes. Um, and then I also have an insulin pump, which pay, plays as an artificial pancreas for me, and it trickles a little insulin um, because, if you know, it's an autoimmune disease, meaning that my normal pancreas, pancreas was fighting against itself. So what it was is it was trying to produce insulin, but my body made it seem like it was foreign, and it just attacked itself. So I got an insulin pump, 
And now, you know, I'm able to go to work and it gives me my insulin that I need and it puts me in the right levels that I need and I'm able to be efficient at work. But to do all that, I had to take time off of work. So I decided, I said, hey, doc, I'm going to take, you know, a week or two off of work. I got plenty of time. Take a week or two off of work. Took a week or two off of work. And then when I came back, you would never believe it. I get everybody coming up to me. Hey, hey, Hankins. Uh, such and such was talking about you, saying you're abusing your, your sick time. You're leaving your beat partners out to hang, you know. And why are you just out taking out time? That's just reckless of you. Well, he didn't know what I was kind of going through. They knew I was dealing with stuff, but they didn't know to the extent of which I was dealing with my illness. Um, at that time, I was in a real angry and dishonorable state, meaning that I didn't want to honor anybody. I just got news that I got diabetes. I don't got time for your feelings. I don't got time to go through what you're going through. I got my own problems to deal with. And I became real dishonorable. Um, to the point where when I ever talked to that person, I shunned him. So he would try to talk to me, and I'd be like, you're dead to me, right? That type of look, right? Very rude and discourteous. And it carried on in my job. And as, a, as an officer, you can't be in a state where you're angry or frustrated all the time because it affects not just you. It affects your coworkers. It affects the community that you serve. So you need to be in a place of an honorable spirit. Uh, this was blocking uh, my ability to be what the word has called me to be. I was starting to blend into what the world does, uh, damaging my witness, blocking the ability to build relationships with people to see Christ. The reason why I know that I was outside of God's will was from this verse right here. If you guys can turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'll be reading out the NIV version. When you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, check on the Sky Bible right here behind us. It's brought to you by our beautiful media team. So it reads, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Someone say perfect will. Perfect will. I once heard a quote. It went something like this. If a pig falls into the mud, they wallow in it. They're happy and comfortable to stay in that environment. But if sheep fall in the mud, they cry. Sheep want to get out and be clean. See, I stayed in the mud of dishonor for a while. But my soul started crying out, and I wanted to change. I wanted to be clean. I wanted to be renewed by the power of Christ. I had to get into the process of renewing my mind. So if I can give you an anchor point to carry on throughout this message, and I'm kind of churchy, you guys all know me, I'm actually to repeat after me a couple times, right? So just follow along when we repeat after me. In order to transform, order to transform what, you do, what you do, you must first, you must first transform how you think.
Come on, say that one more time. In order to transform, order to transform what, you do, what you do, you must first, you must first transform, how you think. transform how you think. Does anybody know that the word of God is an antidote? It's a cure. It's a remedy for when things are coming out of us that are not aligned with God. We're called to be followers of Christ. Here's the cure for dishonoring or being dishonored. And this is the mark of what a true follower of Christ is. I want you guys to follow with me in chapter uh, Romans, chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. And if you guys don't know anything about Romans, it's in the back of the book. It's the New Testament. It's what Paul, uh, the apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church. And he was trying to convey to them. I'll be reading out the Christian standard Bible, standard Bible, Um, And verse 9 reads, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, take the lead in honoring one another. Someone say, take the lead in honoring one another. So if I had to give you a message for today, it will be put your honor to test. So I'm going to go over three principles, and I'm going to get you guys out of here. We won't be long, about four or five hours. Is that cool? <laughs> now we'll get you out of here pretty quick. So the first principle I want to go over is being genuine in your love. In the passage, Paul said, our love for one another must be without hypocrisy. See, the Greek word for hypocrisy was used by an actor who wore a mask. My mom would say it like this, we out here faking the funk. How many of us can relate to faking the funk, wearing different masks to make us look like we're okay on the outside and shield our vulnerability about what is happening on the inside? But Paul says that we are called to be the kind of community where it is safe for people to take off their masks. The world teaches us to make our life look good on the outside. There's such pressures to hold up an image that the muscle of being vulnerable and real with one another is underdeveloped. Do you know that one of the most powerful things we can do to restore our honor in our relationships is to remove our masks and to love genuinely? And also, do you realize that you don't have to like someone to honor them and love them genuinely? Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and and tell them, I don't have to like you in order to honor you. All right, don't get too happy when you say that to them, okay? The world tells us that we have to like people or withhold our honor from them. But in order to transform What we do, we must first transform how we think, which brings me to my second point or my second principle. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Loving one another deeply as brothers and sisters requires that we first understand what a healthy sibling relationship looks like. Because we all know that sibling relationships can be kind of challenging, right? Okay, so wave your hand if you're a sibling or you have a brother or a sister. 
right? I see some of you guys with that look on your face like, I wish I was the only child. <laughs> with that Cain look on your face talking about, you better not ask me about Abel. <laughs> right? Just a little side joke for all my Bible readers. But seriously, is sibling, uh, uh, seriously, is sibling relationships a challenge to love deeply? You know why? It's because there's competition. Jesus understood the issue. With close relationships like siblings, one of the most common issues is competition. This, uh, the, the sibling dynamic took place with Jesus and his disciples. If we look in Mark, we see that the disciples argued with one another about who's the greatest. And then when Jesus asked them, they were all quiet, like my kids. I said, why are you guys arguing? And they go, with the deer in the headlight look. Right? The Bible says that Jesus set them down, and he told them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. That shows us that the disciples are not taking the lead in showing appreciation and esteem. Instead, they were trying to attract attention for themselves and talking about who's the greatest, who's the faithfulest, who uh, slayed the most people, who actually brought healing to the most people, who raised the most people from the dead, who casted out the most demons, who fed the most people, and most of all, who was the best speaker. If that's not bad enough, look in chapter uh, Mark chapter 9, what did Jesus do right before they started arguing about who's the greatest? He tells them, the son of man will be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. Three days later, after being killed, he will rise again. Now, how messed up are we as humans? Jesus just tells his disciples he's going to be betrayed and killed. And their response is to argue about who's the greatest. Sounds like some of us, right? And if that's not bad enough, it happens again. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples for a third time, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him and spit upon him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Guess what? It happens again. You won't believe it. Trust me. I couldn't believe it when I read it. James and John, two members of Jesus' most inner circle, his family, asked to be seated at Jesus' right and left hand in glory. No empathy, no compassion, just competition. Where am I going to be placed in honor? Two times Jesus' leadership team, his friends, the core of his movement and his ministry, He tells them he's going to be betrayed and killed. And two times their response of the 12 is to try to outdo each other in honor. To gain their own esteem. Doing the opposite of what Jesus was doing by offering himself as a servant of all. And exactly the opposite of what Paul is telling us to do in Romans 12. How did Jesus put up with him? I'm asking, how did Jesus put up with him? Same way he puts up with us. It's no different than his 12 disciples. If you look at what passes for human interaction, it's all about daily competition. 
I can prove it. In school, social media, sports, in every arena, it's all about competition. We believe that we must compete with each other to be better than one another. There's grades in school to tell us how good we're doing or who's better in learning or not. There's award shows for music and entertainment to tell us who's the best in their industry. Sports keep score, right, to tell us who's winning or losing. Politicians fall all over themselves proclaiming that they're the best party or they're the greatest for the country. In our culture, we are a long ways from showing true honor to one another. But this won't happen, us showing honor, true honor for people, until we transform how we think. Which brings me to my third principle. Taking the lead in honoring one another. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to take the lead when it comes to honoring and bringing esteem to one another. We must follow in leadership in doing this. Leadership is the ability of an individual or a group or individuals to influence, guide, and help move followers or members around. We're not to follow the pattern of the world which normalizes treating people the way that you are treated. We're called to treat people the same way we want to be treated. So in other words, we can't say that, hey, I want to treat you poorly, or since you treated me poorly, I'm going to treat you poorly. We're called to be different. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't rob people of the opportunity to have eternal relationship with his father. So why do we? Why do we rob people of that opportunity? What comes out of you when you're pressed? What came out of Jesus was a leader in showing honor. He hung from that lonely cross. He was exhausted, beaten, mocked, humiliated, and he had all power at his becking hands, but he chose to honor your life above his. Jesus, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you're oppressed, when you're stressed, what's coming out of you? Is it honor or is it a critical spirit? Is it honor or is it what all about what about me? Is it honor or do you start to reduce the benefits of relationship until the opportunity for that person to receive eternal life through your example is taken away? So this is why I can make a bold statement like, you don't have to like me for me to honor you. That's me taking my place in leadership and honor. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in building boundaries. Trust me. (laughs) Right? I believe in removing yourself from toxic relationships. But I also believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can discern when it is a situation where we are to be called to demonstrate a love and honor like Jesus did. If a person has never shown appreciation to you, you don't have to let that fact stop you from showing appreciation to them. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about fakeness. I'm not talking about the twisted truth. 
When appreciation and esteem is truly deserved and appropriate, don't let good things, don't let good things be unsaid. We often miss in the opportunity to speak honor, words of honor, over people because we leave them unsaid. You might think about how much you appreciate somebody and how highly you think of them, but you often don't express how you really feel. I know I'm terrible at that. Rachel always gets on me. Why didn't you say that? I'd be like, don't know. Again, I'm not talking about fake flattery. I'm talking about faithfulness in following what Paul urges, urged us and the Roman church. I'm talking about faithfulness to take the initiative, to take the lead in showing appreciation, not simply to return such expressions when they are given to you, but to be one who will plant life, giving seeds for the soul through the words of appreciation and honor. If we as followers did this every single day, trying to outdo one another in honor, how hard do you think it would be to live in harmony? Not hard at all. As I close, I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, the New Living Translation. It reads, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think of, don't think of yourself to know it all. That means don't be arrogant. We are called to hide in Christ. That's why he tells us to abide in him and remain in his love. Paul tells us not to be too proud, to enjoy the company of ordinary people. In other translations, it talks about or it mentions that Jesus was lowly. The point of Jesus is lowly that he's accessible for all his magnificent glory and his dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and his otherness, no one in human history was more approachable than Jesus Christ. So are you approachable? Don't just say with your words. It's about what you do with your actions. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, it says, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, the people of Jesus' time, they were trapped in being very zealous of religion, but actually not honoring God with their whole hearts. This same thing is happening to us today. We fail to understand the principles of honor. We can't say all the right things, but operate from an dishonorable spirit. We can't give, we can't just say things that come out of our lips because God's not concerned what's coming out of your lips. He's concerned about what's coming out of your heart. He's not looking for your lip service. He's actually looking for your service. Now, I'm an officer, but I can't pass up this opportunity to be your connections leaders, or at least one of your connections leaders. So I'd like to take this moment to point out a perfect place where we can practice growing in these principles of honor, and that's our growth groups. 
In our growth groups, we can practice being genuine in love. In our growth groups, we can practice loving one another deeply as brothers and sisters. In our growth groups, we can practice taking the lead and honoring one another. Growth groups are a place where we can take off the mask and be vulnerable. It's through your vulnerability where people are able to see Christ. They're able to relate because of your testimony. They're able to relate because you take off the layers and allow people to see you for who you are. We don't do anything out of our own strength. We only do it out of the strength that Jesus Christ gives us. So if you're here today and you're saying to yourself that, hey, man, I've been operating out of dishonorable spirit. I just haven't been honoring people like I know I should be. I want you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. If you're here today, I see you. And you say, I fell out of relationship with Jesus Christ because I didn't really think it was anything that I needed to honor anybody. I thought it was all about me. And you want to change that. You want to know what the next steps of being honorable truly is. Raise your hand so we can pray for you. And I can't leave today without asking, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life, and you want to know, how can I be a follower of Jesus Christ, and what are my next steps, raise your hand. Amen, amen. Glory be to God. Let's go ahead and bow our heads as we pray. Dear Lord, first of all, thank you for dying on the cross, dear Lord, so we might know what honor looks like, so we might know what true, genuine love looks like, so we, we might know what it means to love one another unconditionally, dear Lord. Thank you for first loving us, dear Lord, that we might take that same love and pour it out to our brothers and sisters, not having a critical spirit, but having a spirit that looks more like you, dear Lord, transforming our minds, renewing our minds, renewing our spirits, dear Lord, that we might have a right spirit in you, dear Lord. Clean our hearts, dear Lord. Make us pure. Allow us to love on one another in harmony, dear Lord. Thank you for making the ability, dear Lord, for us to know each other in this church and around this community, dear Lord. I ask that you just bless us going forward today, dear Lord. And the ones who raised their hands, dear Lord, I know we didn't have any that said they want, wanted to accept you, so we're praising God that everybody knows you and a part of their sins, dear Lord. But we just pray that we all take the steps, the next steps in honoring you with our whole hearts, not just our mouth. In Jesus' mighty, magnificent, glorious Holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.